I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Hey, what's up, Pelicans fans? Welcome to the Bird Rights. My name is Preston Ellis, and I'm the host for the new home to all things Pelicans on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. Follow us at the Bird Rights and get all the latest on your Pelicans at thebirdrights.com. fans welcome to another special edition of the bird calls podcast i'm your host preston else and today we are joined by our second time guest assistant coach and summer league head coach it's jamel mcmillan merry christmas jamel hey happy holidays to you guys as well appreciate you uh inviting me on again are you kidding man uh we were just talking off the air about how you flew back from denver got in super late of course it's the holidays right now it's a saturday so we really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, for the listeners, of course, you guys can follow him at Jamel Mack. Define- I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. And some, some great insights on coaching, happenings around the league, as well as uh, some really great motivational tips. And uh, while it's a, a busy Christmas season for you guys on, uh, for sure, with games like against the Heat, you've got this Friday, you've got the, uh, the Magic, I think, on, no, okay, it's the Heat on Thursday, the Magic on Friday, the Nets on Wednesday. So you do have a couple of days in between to celebrate Christmas. You got any plans or anything special you're doing? Uh, watching film on the Pelicans. That's pretty much what I'll, what, I'll, uh, what I'll be doing. I'm scrambling to FedEx and UPS trying to send some stuff off. But uh, other than that, I'm on on the computer and trying to figure this thing out. So, uh, happy holidays to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that is the correct answer. But we sure do hope you get some time to just relax and uh, spend some time with family. And of course, we are also joined by editor-in-chief to SB Nations, thebirdrights.com. As always, it's Ali Cosell, who I actually had the pleasure of hanging out with this past week in person at the Smoothie King Center when the Pelicans beat the Milwaukee Bucks. How's it going, boss? Great. Yeah, I'm so glad they were able to get you a win because uh, fly all that way just to see us, that wouldn't have been worth it, right? No, absolutely not. Just you and Kevin, I think, would have even diminished or taken away from the event had we lost. So thank goodness they were able to rise above the circumstances I was put into with you two guys sitting on either side of me. Uh, let's let's get serious here, Jamel. Of course, we're here to talk to you and talk about Pelicans basketball. Right now, the Pels sit at 15-15 and 15 after last night's heartbreaker in Denver. They sit fifth in the NBA in offense at almost 111 points per game and 29th in defense uh, at 111.7. Now, this is quite a change from last year when our guys were 26th in offensive rating and ninth in defensive rating. Talk a bit about the shifts in, pol- in philosophy. Philosophy, it's going well here. And why the Pelicans have become such a different team 30 games into this season. Uh, we got a lot of new players. You know, we got a lot of new personalities in here. 
Um, and then we changed our offensive coordinator type uh, deal. So our philosophy is a little bit different and trying to get the lineups on the floor to try to mirror what we're trying to do as well as be effective um, depending on the matchups or who we're playing in the opponent. Uh, you know, it's been a process and it's going to be a process. We understood that coming in. Um, and we definitely understand that now while we're in the middle of it and moving forward. And so, you know, there are some things that have been really, really good to us. There's been some lineups and some players who have come in and really done some things that we didn't anticipate them doing. Um, and some guys are playing a little bit more minutes or not as many minutes as we thought or liked or have hoped for. But, uh, you know, it is something that, uh, you know, we're working through as a team, um, as a coaching staff, the players do a lot of talking amongst themselves. And so um, as we go through this holiday season and head into the new year, when we're really getting into the thick of our schedule, um, you know, we'll be able to make those adjustments and see what we can come up with. Yeah, Jamel, what most listeners don't know is that you usually focus strictly with the guards in terms of practice, the game footage and such. And you know what? I don't think anybody expected for your group of guys, Drew Holiday, uh, one Moore, and Rajon Rondo, to be shooting the ball as well as they have. Um, and this is really, you know, it seems like the change seemed to coincide with Rondo's return back to the lineup. And basically, these guys are putting up fran historically franchise numbers from three-point range. Uh, did you see this coming? And if, and if so, how are they able – how are these guys able to, you know, just produ their productions just basically gone above and beyond anything they've ever done before in their careers of late? Uh, I mean, really, one guy you just mentioned, Rondo, I knew would help Drew, and I think I mentioned that um, throughout the summer when we were uh, able to get and find him. But, um, you know, Drew is in a really good place as far as being off the ball, um, not as much responsibility. He doesn't have to make as many decisions throughout the course of the game. And Jameer Nelson has really helped that as well. So he can just go back to being who he is, and that's scoring the basketball and, and defending, um, especially in pick and roll defense. Um, each one is a guy who's just solid. He doesn't really take many risks. He's going to get from point A to point B as effectively as he can um, with some of his limitations. But he's very, very efficient and really able to do it. He's been able to do a lot because of our bigs, um, especially with one big on the floor. It definitely helps him a lot more because there's more space where he's able to cut, play off of closeout situations, get in the baseline and operate um, in the paint with different forms of finishes as well. And Rondo, as far as his three-point shooting, it's just a matter of trusting it. You know, the guy is in the gym probably more than anybody wanting to play shooting games and challenging guys and betting for money and all that kind of stuff. And he's always seems to win. Like it's, it's kind of a weird deal. And so it's, how do you translate that on the floor? And, you know, when I looked at his attempts, generally they came at the end of shot clocks when he would make it. And that's because at the end of the shot clock, you're expected to throw something up. And if it goes in great, if not, it doesn't really matter. Right. So, um, if he could take the mindset and trust the shot the same way, just shoot it um, within the framework of what we're doing, um, how he's orchestrating things and being able to get into his spots, understanding that teams are going to go under on him in the pick and roll, which is generally where he takes most of those attempts um, off the bounce instead of off the catch, then, you know, 
that's going to help everybody out that much more. It creates a little bit more space for our bigs because guys have to honor him. It creates more space for our guards. And when he's penetrating, we can get a second penetration and guys can get in the paint. So um, those guys have done a terrific job working together. Um, they spend a lot of time together in the morning with their um, individual work and stuff like that. And so really proud of what those guys have been able to do, especially the last week or two weeks. Um, they've looked really good and playing good basketball. So uh, hopefully they can keep that going and we can get some of the other guys up to their level. Uh, just to give you guys some numbers, the Pels are 47% for three in nine games. Also, I think they've hit 10 or more threes, 11 games straight right now. So uh, all franchise highs. Uh, Etwan Moore is averaging, I think, 60% from the field, 64% from three. And Darius Miller just at a modest 46% right now. Uh, just kidding, yeah. of course. Holiday is averaging 24, 5, and 5 this month. And something that I wanted to ask you about, Coach, is uh, Pelicans PR posted some numbers the other day. When Rajon Rondo is in the lineup, Drew Holiday is scoring seven points more per game. And, of course, early on in the season, he was manning the point guard. Etuan Moore was at the two with Dante at three, something like that. I can't remember. And uh, now, more recently, when Rondo rested a game, um, let's see, uh, he went over to the two, and Ian Clark was inserted into the one. Why do you think that the Pelicans chose to make that change? And how differently do you coach Drew Holiday based on whether or not Rondo's in the lineup? Uh, it's more of a mindset for Drew himself, more so than us coaching Drew in those scenarios, um, just because we have a free-flowing offense. that There's really not much structure to it. There's a lot of main concepts that uh, Coach Finch hasn't you know, put in and tried to emphasize. And so it's more off reads and understanding, creating mismatches, um, understanding when you have an advantage with one or two steps. Um, and so Drew's just been able to get back to what he does well. I know a Toronto game, he had, what, 30-something up in Toronto, and that was like the start of really seeing him back to just going back to himself. And so, um, you know, with those lineups and trying to keep him off the ball as much as possible, where you can actually really see it in his face. His whole demeanor's changed. He's a lot more relaxed and lets the game come to him instead of trying to facilitate as much, where he can get himself in a little bit of trouble there and trying to make everybody happy and please everybody. That's something Rondo is really, really good at, is uh, managing personal agendas throughout the course of a game. And so, um, you know, when we went back to the lineup he mentioned with, Ian Clark and and put him in there that was in hopes of getting a shooter out there that could also create that same amount of space um, for him to be able to operate in the same way even though he was probably going to be the primary ball handler and so um, you know Drew is a Drew's a pro's pro you know he's a professional and he's always going to figure it out I mean he's got the ultimate competitive mindset loves the challenges and definitely loves his matchups um, and taking them personally. And so um, if he continues to do what he's doing, it, it's, we should be pretty good going into the second half of the season. Yeah, Coach, we were marveling at not only his offensive life, but yesterday, it, almost single-handedly, his defense almost came, you know, came about to resulting in a win for the Pelicans. So they got down, as you know, obviously, but he had some timely steals. Uh, can you talk a little bit about his defense and how he's 
been able to rise up to the challenge of playing guys a lot bigger than him normally at, at uh, you know, shooting guard and small forward. Yeah. Um, that To me, that's – everybody talks offense. I'm a get-after-it-on-the-defensive-end type guy. Um, that's just been me. And so I love the guy to death on that end of the floor. And what people don't realize, and you might not look it, but Drew might be the strongest guy on our team. I mean, it's it's – He's up there, and that's that's what allows him to guard positions one through three, possibly one through four, um, depending on if you got like a Houston and a Ryan Anderson is out there at the four. Um, even some bigs, you know, if he switches onto like a Farid, we'll let him guard him. You know, it's very rare where we'll get a matchup that we don't like with him involved. And so when you have the versatility to do that and the coverages, the switch one through four, and have him be able to just play all over the, the basketball court, um, you know, guarding and pick and roll, guarding in one-on-one isolation situations, guarding in the post. Uh, that's very valuable and very special to have, especially in a guy who plays a lot of minutes, um, a guy who is a high dollar figure guy, which those guys tend to be numbers guys with the scoring. And so, it's just a simple interest. You know, defense is an interest. You know, a lot of the NBA doesn't have an interest on that end of the floor. And a lot of it is because that end of the floor doesn't necessarily get you paid, which is what people are trying to do. And so I respect the guy a lot for how he attacks both ends of the floor and plays the game, a complete game. You know, you don't see that very often um, in today's NBA. You guys are listening to the Bird Rights on Nothing But Net Network on the Dash. Uh, Jamel, I'm going to reference uh, the conversation we had. I think it was sometime back in July, last we spoke. And uh, you were on your way to becoming best friends with DeMarcus Cousins. How's that going? <laughs> no, it's going. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's going. It's a, it's a work in progress. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Um Marcus and I are fine, even though he mocks me at a ridiculous rate for my pregame uh, scouting reports. Uh, loves messing with me like that. But, um, you know, the guy is putting up big-time numbers uh, for us. Uh, he's done a lot of good things, especially um, on the offensive end and uh, creating and drawing double teams for guys to get open looks and stuff like that and being a willing passer out of those double teams. Um and looking for guys, you know, a lot of times he'll, he'll take a turnover to try to get his teammates an opportunity and stuff like that. So, um, you know, we're working through it. Um, everybody's trying to adjust to the too big thing. And he's one of those guys as well, probably more so than anybody, just because he's always been that, that lone big ranger out there orchestrating things and having the ball in his hands a lot and stuff like that. And, so um, that's also a work in progress with uh, with our guys and our coaching staff and trying to put everybody in position for them to be successful. But he does a lot of great things for us, you know, extremely talented individual. Um, and so we'll see uh, we'll see how we go along with the with the two bigs or the one big and how we're able to mix that up. But um, you know, we're uh, we're working through our personal personal relationship you know it's uh it's been it's been a fun fun journey so far 
Ali, if you don't mind uh, yeah. letting me get back in here and uh, asking sure. a follow-up question. Uh, Boogie's got a, a comedy slam coming up in January, so obviously must be a very funny guy or at least associated with funny guys. Do you have any personal stories of these scouting reports, these jokes he makes that you care sharing with us? <laughs> uh, that's funny. He has a comedy slam. Um, <laughs> he... Uh, I don't really, I don't really know. I mean, it's really like facial type stuff. You know, I guess I said K 37 times the other day, which in my opinion, that was, uh, that was the Milwaukee game. Yeah. He just walked around saying K all day. K, K, K. I don't know of anything specific right now. Um, I know he was mocking Alvin yesterday. That was good. <laughs> um, he was walking like him and mocking him and shoot around yesterday. But, uh, you know, it, it's just a side of the guy that, that most people unfortunately don't get to see. Um, you know, it's, it's always the, the media stuff or the highlights and all that kind of stuff. But um, the bus, the plane, you always hear him somewhere um, in, in the card games, on the planes, on the bus, yelling at YouTube videos, whatever it may be. You always hear the guy. So um, very, very animated, very, spirited, passionate individual that, uh, you know, he's a big, gentle teddy bear. He, he, he doesn't mean any of the stuff that you guys tend to see when he's going off on people. Yeah, Coach, I just want to get back to that real quick because I don't think a lot of people understand truly how much has been put on his shoulders this year. Uh, for instance, without no Rondo, and, and the team obviously wanted to keep Holiday kind of in that aggressive shooting guard mentality. I feel like it all basically did boil down to DeMarcus, even though Anthony Davis was, you know, he, he was involved in initiating the offense a lot of times, but truly it seemed like DeMarcus was the one running it. And you can almost tell by looking at, you know, some advanced numbers that whether it's a touches or passes. So can you just touch on how, how difficult it is for him to walk that fine line where he is producing and he makes some spectacular plays, has those quarters where he just carries the team versus where there will be those couple of turnovers in a row. And, you know, the, well, obviously the fans get, you know, thoroughly upset by that. Do you think there's a way for DeMarcus to find that fine line to walk it better? Or do you think perhaps maybe just having, you know, reducing maybe his workload a little bit with Rondo back, is, is that the way to go? A lot of it is DeMarcus putting it on himself. Okay. So within the framework of what we do, right, like you can watch us play with – Anthony on the floor by himself. And then you can watch us play with DeMarcus on the floor by himself. And there's a different, it's a completely different game. And it's because their individual games are different, even though both of them are what, 25 to 30 point scores a night, right? So both of them like to pick and pop and play up in the top of the key areas. Anthony on occasion will drift to the corners. Um, DeMarcus is the post, which we're using in debate double teams, and then obviously driving left from the top of the key um, and making moves against bigs who probably can't move their feet. Um, if you're within the framework of what we're trying to do and then Cinch's offense that he's trying to put in um, along with Coach is – a lot of movement and mostly cutting. It's not much of a pick and roll offense as much as it is drive, kick, drive, backside pass, 
to the next pass, you know, the good shot to the great shot, uh, the one more pass, or the one more pass to another drive. And so isolation doesn't really help that much. And DeMarcus has been an ISO guy most of his career, much because his ball skills are elite for a guy his size. Um, and what he's able to do, how he's able to get there, you know, what he's able to create within himself, you know, to get other guys the ball as well as get himself the opportunities and the touches. Um, What comes with that is a big guy in isolation who does isolation all the time and trying to do it against loaded teams such as a Milwaukee Bucks team who is all about the paint and gives up three-pointers, there's nowhere to go. And so cutting um, down, wind, uh, wide spin downs and stuff like that are really, really um, important. If you're going to screen against that team rolling to take two guys tagging on the weak side in order to create a drive pass one more or the drive backside pass kick drive opportunities if that made any sense those type of um plays are huge now with a team like houston you can get away with it because they are just like listen you're not going to score as many points as us it doesn't matter what you do um but the the better teams the san antonio's of the world the milwaukee bucks high quarters Denver last night was another one, very active hands. That's where it's tough. And so, um, you know, getting him to dive is not necessarily something he wants to do, especially in pick and roll situations. Dive, get pocket passes. You'll, you very rarely see that. Anthony, you see it all the time. Um, so very different contrasting games, you know, but, Again, we've asked a lot of both of those guys, rightfully so, because they're capable. And, and that's, that's just the way it is. That's how it's going to be, whether we're the coaching staff or they have 12 other coaching staffs. That's how it is. And I don't think either of those guys want it any other way. Drew is in that category as well. And so, you know, our game gets inconsistent because of that. Um, I think there's a lot of question on, you know, what first half, the tail of the first half, tail of the second half, when guys are getting tired, when the lineups start to shift a lot more rapidly and stuff like that, how the game changes and goes from one one way or one pace to another. And a lot of it is due to that. And when we get stagnant and guys want touches and guys demand touches and try to do the ISO thing, we get in a lot of trouble. And so, um, you know, we're going to keep challenging him just because we, we know he can do it. We're going to keep challenging him because I've seen it from day one. So he's been here. We came in the same day. He can do it. Um, and we need him to do it in order for the, uh, we need him to do it at a high level in order for us to be successful. And so far we've, uh, we've done a lot of good things. Like I said before, they, the, both of those guys have done great things. They're both obviously big time all-stars that we're fortunate to have. So we're looking forward to seeing how they move through this thing together um, and how they are able to figure it out and get even better if 
you know, some people can believe that, you know, I, I do believe both those guys have another level in them for this basketball team. So, um, it's a process. It's a work in progress, but um, proud of proud of what those guys have been able to do individually when they're able to stay healthy and be on the floor. Good to hear that there's a, another level that the Pelicans can reach, not just as a as a roster, but also those two individual uh, almost freaks of nature. Uh, I, I think a lot of pundits in in the national media would dub these two guys as top ten talents, if nothing less. Uh, you could debate whether injuries or technical fouls holds them back. But as far as talent, the fact that you think that they can rise to even another level is encouraging. Of course, everyone, you're listening to the Bird Rights on Nothing But Net Network on the Dash. Uh, I want to dive a bit more or expand on turnovers. We mentioned that uh, very briefly. And that's because they're, they're a very divisive topic uh, among Pelicans media right now. Of course, last year, the Pelicans were fourth in turnovers at just over 11 a game. Now, the team as a whole is third this year, third from last in the NBA, I should say. Um, and many writers in the area point to Golden State, and very rightly so, because they lead the league in assists, but they're also very high in turnovers uh, as clarity for this. Now, the Pelicans sit at sixth in the league still in assist to turnover ratio. So they're still very high, even with their high uh, ratio of turnovers per game. Do you just accept the inevitability that turnovers are going to happen as a result of really heavy ball movement? Or are, do, you, do you guys continually stress uh, more efficiency on that end? How important is it uh, to you to preach to these guys, take care of the basketball? Uh, you preach it, but you do have to have some game time slippage, some leeway with it. Um, and a lot of it is the, the type of turnovers you're having. You know, there's, there's a lot of times where we're in games and just they're unforced turnovers. You know, a team like a Milwaukee Bucks, who's long athletic, you're trying to penetrate and may get their hands on some stuff because they're very active with their hands on defense and stuff like that. Um, that you can okay he's trying to make an aggressive play um you see a lot of times demarcus on back cuts will throw passes like right to guys and it's like okay we understand where his mind is and then a lot of them too are rondo and drew trying to throw the ball over the top um in transition for rim runs with uh anthony or demarcus sealing guys in the paint early and those ones will take just because we you know We've got to have the defense see that. Um, but I think we've had, I can't, five or six, probably more, 30-plus uh, assists games as a team um, throughout this season. And, you know, that's that's something that's pretty hard to do. But like we talked about earlier, that's the result of those guys knocking down shots, Darius Miller's, Etuan Moore, uh, Drew, the easy opportunities that come for those guys to have those high field goal percentages and stuff like that. And with, you know, a cutting offense, like Finch is emphasizing, um, it's not so much ball dominant. Those things are going to happen. So um, it's the unforced ones that we really will take a look at. Um, one thing about it is if we do stress and emphasize offense or rebounding, yeah. and there are games where, we go and there are games where we just we're stargazing a little bit. Um, if we're going to go offensive rebound, then the turnovers, we're going to have to keep them low. And those are game plan things as far as the offensive rebounding goes. Um, just because those extra possessions, we're going to have to make them up somewhere, um, depending on who we're playing. But um, 
you know, turnover-wise, it's going to happen. Golden State flings the ball all over the gym as well. They're just very good at flinging the ball up to the rim, and it goes in a lot. <laughs> so, um, with us, you know, it's it's really, really something that we have to take a look at after the game, and we can't beat ourselves with certain turnovers to carelessness. But if if they're forced. Um, and we're trying to – we have good intentions. We're trying to make plays for other guys. We'll definitely live with some of those. It's just we don't want one guy having, you know, six, ten, that sort of deal. Um, DeMarcus tends to be in that range, and that's because he handles the ball a lot from the top. Um, but a lot of those come in isolation situations. Those are the ones where we just got to get off it, move it, get it back, and then make the play. So, um you know, I think that's something that'll take care of itself as we move forward and as guys get comfortable where guys like the ball. Um, you know, guys are finding each one. Dante's done a great job as a backup for working along the baseline and getting back cuts and stuff like that. So once guys are able to really, really know each other, um, some of those are going to be reduced and we'll be okay. Yeah, Coach, you just touched on the offensive rebounding, how you guys do stress that to the guys. Uh, let's let's expand on that and, and rebounding in general. Uh, it seems like the Pelicans have those games, you know, where they they do a decent job defensively, but yet they don't manage to really crash the offensive glass like like you would like. Uh, right. What what is exactly the plan? Is it is it certain players you you kind of assign before games or or during games you make adjustments where you want them crashing the glass every time, or is it more of a, whoever's closer to the rim go ahead and attack the glass? And also, this is something I've always been curious about. I know that this offense always usually wants to look for that first open shot and take it, but are there times where you're trying to get the, these guys to not not go ahead and launch it until we've got maybe a big somewhere closer to the restricted area? Because I've noticed San Antonio, for instance, seems to do that quite well. They won't get a shot up until uh, they, they have an advantage on the boards at times. You, you can almost tell that they game plan to make sure they've got two guys you know, close to the rim when a shot goes up. Can you just expand on that, talk a little bit more about how to get how this team should be performing better in offensive rebounding and, and exactly how that should be implemented? Yeah, so the number one thing is we want to get 25% of our shots back or of our misses back. That's the goal, 25% of all misses, get those back. Um, we say that just because Rondo is a guy, a guard, a point guard who likes going in there and offensive rebounding. Dante, throughout his career, um, he's been a guy who loves to be active, always getting random hustle plays, 50-50 balls and that sort of deal. Um, he's long and pretty athletic guy. Obviously, the two bigs that we have um, in DeMarcus and AD, the problem with those two guys is they're generally out on the floor, so that takes away from their ability to offensive rebound, hanging around outside the three-point line. Um, but if they're both in at the same time, we've seen many nights where AD is generally the guy in the hole because he'll roll, and that allows him to be down there. And he's just longer and a crazy athlete, so he's able to take advantage of that scenario. So we have guys on our team that we feel like are able to get there and able to be effective. Um, I do think that has contributed a little bit to our defensive rating in that those nights where we don't, we're generally caught in between um, along with the turnovers, but we're generally caught in between. It's like, we're not back 
but mm-hmm. we're not there. And so now you're in a constant scramble mode. You're to get back in transition defense, not locating guys, two guys running to one, all kinds of bad stuff. Um, and it's hard to some of these guards, even some of these big, like a Giannis, if you're running side by side with him and he's got the ball, you're probably going to lose that battle, you know? So you're at extreme disadvantages when you're in that gray area in between going or just getting back. Last year, we were an all get back team. Like, don't even think about going, get back. And as a result, we tried to force half court defense and then we ended up like ninth in the league or whatever it was. And Coach Ehrman was extremely happy with the results, you know. But now it was like, okay, can that help Dante get four more points per game if he's able to go? Can Rondo get, you know, two or three of those a game and then we end up with those momentum threes that you see Golden State get all the time, the relocation threes after the offensive rebound? Um and so those type of plays are big. They're momentum plays that either start a run for your team or they can end the run that the other team is on, um, gets the crowd involved, and they're, they're just high-spirit plays that uh, are deflating for a team. And we've been on that end of it as well. In the Milwaukee game, they had seven offensive rebounds in the first quarter, and we were just we were flat. We were deflated. The crowd wasn't in it. You know, the air was out of the gym. And we were able to figure it out later. So if we could figure that out for ourselves, use that to our advantage. Um, I think lineups really are big for that. I don't think our second unit is very good for, like with the Jameer, um, Etuan, Darius group with DeMarcus as the lone big. Um, That's the group that's not necessarily an offensive rebounding uh, unit. So there are specific lineups and times where it's more emphasized than others. And guys know who they are as well. You know, Jameer knows he is not an offensive rebounder, so you'll never see him in there um, and stuff like that. So it's uh, it's a in-game type thing um, and throughout the course of a game. Um, if we need – we're down nine, down ten, and we need to make a good push, we'll really get after them. And, you know, we got to go get those back. We need these opportunities. We're behind by this many possessions or whatever it may be, um, depending on their lineup, who they have in the game. You know, hey, we could take advantage of them now on the offensive glass, that sort of deal. So we will uh, we'll work through it throughout the course of the game, and we'll try to use it to our advantage. But it's where we're in that gray area where we, we tend to get in trouble. You're listening to the Bird Rides on Nothing But Net Network here on the Dash Radio. Uh, Coach, I want to talk a bit about fast break points. Offensively, we're pretty good because we've got some really good finishers. Of course, uh, Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins are so good. Even if they miss on the fast break, they usually get their own rebound and put it back up. Rondo's pretty good. He can go up and under. Etwan's good with both of his hands. Drew is really good at using his body to create separation. I think we're 10th in the league in fast break points on offense. However, on defense... Uh, we're dead last. And a lot of that, you know, you point to offensive rebounds, crashing the boards, as you said, people like Dante Cunningham and Rajon Rondo, rather than getting back, you know, attacking those boards. Uh, but what that being said, they're, they're not really attacking the glass according to the numbers being 24th, right. but, but they're still failing to get back on defense to, to stop aggressive floor running. And I remember specifically against Milwaukee, 
I'm trying to think of who it was, but I was sitting with Ali and Kevin, and there was one guy for the Pelicans who was back trying to fend off three defenders, and he actually succeeded, but they were able to get their own rebound and put it right back up, and Alvin Gentry was screaming at the rest of the Pelicans to get back and help. Why are the guys having such trouble slowing down those fast breaks? Because they're live ball turnovers. That's the simple, easy answer. Live ball turnovers, the ones where you dribble off your foot, that we, you know, or the pass from the wing to the top um, when the guy shoots the gap, that sort of thing. You can't defend live ball turnovers, and we have a ton of them. And that goes back to the turnover conversation before. Um, You know, when you're in isolation situations and you're getting ripped or just a soft pass for no reason, guy gets high hands over in the pick and roll, we try to throw a cross-court pass that gets deflected. Those type turnovers, they'll kill you. You know, we need the ones where you throw the ball in the third row. Um, you get you run over somebody and it's a charge. That way they're taking the ball out and we can get back. Um, but because, like you were mentioning, the amount of turnovers has directly contributed to that. Um, on the other end of that, we do get some opportunities, but we don't force a lot of turnovers either just like live ball turnovers. We're not a pressure deny type team on the defensive end. Um, We don't try to create a helter skelter game. We are really trying to be disciplined in our coverages um, and, and take certain things away in order to force teams into certain uh, opportunities. And so, you know, it's it's the tale of two sides, but um, you know, direct, what you're talking about is just it's the live ball turnovers, the ones where you go to the rim and think you got fouled and you didn't, and you're standing there looking at the ref while four other guys are running the other way against two of your teammates. Um, you know, isolation up top, throw a pass that's not there, um, you know, and that sort of thing, trying to throw a backdoor pass and the guy's not there. Um getting ripped in the lane, those type things. You know, the game is definitely a threes and layups or transition type emphasis now. Uh, A lot of small lineups out there that you're playing against or playing with. And so if those teams are able to get those easy opportunities, some teams need them in order to be successful, so they look for them. Um, A team like Philly, who has a lot of active guys, um, it was also a very, very, very good offensive rebounding team. They go, I think they're number one in the league um, and stuff like that. When you're that active and you create those type of live ball turnovers, it's hard to defend. And so that's where those numbers are coming from. And that's where we struggle is the type of turnovers that we are having um, at this point in time. Coach, I want to talk about probably the biggest topic that's out there right now concerning the Pelicans and their loss, and it's the fact that they're having really a tough time closing out games. Like, for instance, Mm -hmm. we can talk just about the last three losses where the Pelicans, I think, had a 13-point lead late in the third quarter on the Rockets. Uh, They were up on the Kings by about 10. And then, of course, last night, I guess they were up 16 at one point, then 15 with like three minutes to go. Is there is, is there something you can pinpoint about this team that they either haven't learned or or what what the problem is with the Pelicans being able to close out teams? Because um, after playing so well, it, it 
it, it's just amazing the change of momentum, momentum, excuse me, in a lot of these losses. So would you say they have right now a difficulty in finishing off opponents, or what, what's your pulse and take on this? Yeah, um, the game down the stretch changes. You know, it's they let a, some more physicality go. Um, you know, the opportunities change, guys tighten up. Um, defensively and stuff like that, especially in their coverages by that point in the game. The other team knows who's hot, who's not, um, what you've been going to throughout the course of the game and that sort of thing. So there's a lot of factors that go into it. Um, the first thing is 20 points in this league is like being up by five. And that's because of the three-point shot. Um, when you're up 20, it means nothing. It sounds like a lot of points, but it really isn't at this level compared to like probably college um, just because of the amount of possessions that are being given and being taken in throughout the course of a game. But for us, you know, when we get to like through a first half and look one way and then we go into the second half, um, there are times where we – get stagnant on offense. We start taking risks and opportunities that we wouldn't have done in the first half or we got away with in the first half um, that just aren't there in the second half because those teams have talked about it and put emphasis on different parts of the game. Um, And the main thing is we don't finish well, like with at the rim, so, so to speak, free throw shooting um, towards the end of games has been iffy there in late and third throughout the fourth quarters um, and stuff like that. And then what we are getting into play-wise and when they take stuff away, what we get into after that. And so as a, as a team who has a lot of different guys on the roster, it's just a team maturity thing to where one guy trusts the next guy to set the screen and actually get a piece of the guy so that he can come off and trusting that guy to make the right pass backside and then trusting that guy to make the shot. And so I think we have gotten better in that trust area with, with each other. I think the team has gotten a lot closer over the last month. Um, but it's just a matter of our main guys um, demanding stuff in certain situations and capitalizing on certain situations. That's another thing we don't do is we'll get an amazing stop and then come down and take some crazy ill-advised shot. I think I forget which one of you mentioned that, um, where it's just like you'll come down and just shoot like some random pull-up three for no reason, you know, or something like it'll just be like a Y type deal. Um, instead of having the discipline to come down, get into the horn set, come off, throw back, deal, throw it to them, and then go up strong and finish. Just have the discipline to come down and execute instead of getting bored with doing the right thing. Um, and, um, you know, and then some guys want to be the hero and make plays at the end of games. You know, some guys don't want any part of it. And so that's 
case on every roster, but obviously some stand out more than others. Russell Westbrook wants to shoot it every time, you know, guys like that. And so guys on this team are learning each other. And, and that's what happens when you're up 15 and then you end up tie game um, because we come down and have, I think last night we counted, we had nine straight possessions and then six of them were turnovers. Three of them were missed layups. And now all of a sudden you see the distrust start to happen. And that's what we've got to take care of. That's what we're working through. That's what the guys are talking about. And that's what our staff is trying to build these guys up together instead of individuals going one way, going another way and trying to do stuff that a, they're not capable of doing sometimes. Maybe they are capable, but it's bad timing, understanding that timing, understanding where, what's working, what's not. Um, it's an IQ thing. It's a basketball IQ thing that these guys are getting better at. And so we've seen improvement um, last night stuck, um, but it was great for us. Last night's loss was great for this basketball team because it was a growing moment um, that it was a long plane ride home. There was a lot of conversations about it. And so we're working through it. We're working through the process. We're, we're really unlearning and understanding and appreciating some of the guys that we have, how they're responding um, to each other in those situations. But, um, you know, we, I do think we will be better. Um, Drew is finally figuring out how to get through with these big guys at the end of games to create good opportunities. So it should be uh it should be an interesting second part of the year, um, moving into the new year here through the holidays in that area. But that's something that, you know, it seems like the end of the world, but really um it's a part of a new roster that's really trying to build a trust with each other to capitalize in those situations. You know, Jamel, I think that's a that's a really good place to wrap up. Uh, just, you know, a good feeling, putting a, a bow around with these guys, figuring it out, being on the plane together, having good conversations, putting everybody in the right place. And with the Pelicans being third to last uh, in scoring in the fourth and fourth to last in allowing opponents to score, they are second best in the first and second best defense. So if you just take the first quarter out of a game, the Pelicans are the best team in the NBA. So hopefully just uh, staggering those minutes a bit more. We've got each of our guys at around 37 minutes per game uh, with our guys. I mean, Drew Holiday, DeMarcus Cousins, each one's got a heavy workload, Anthony Davis, of course. So, um, Anyway, we really appreciate your time. Uh, you're getting more and more attention, Coach, on out of these halftime uh, shots from Fox Sports reporters. Look great, nice suits. Uh, you're you're a leader to all these young guys, and and summer league, we we saw the effect that you had on on players like Jack and Quinn and Jalen and Charles. Uh, what what's the next step for you? Obviously, you've got your you know your head in the game right now. You're not even celebrating Christmas, you poor guy. Uh, how? How do you feel yourself growing as a coach? And do you feel like every year you become more and more comfortable with your role with the Pelicans? Yeah, I tell people all the time, I, I have not seen a bad day in this, in this life, this business, um, you know, from the money days all the way up through now, the wins or losses. Um, you know, I, I always say the only two guys in this thing that are allowed to have bad days are Dell Dimps and Alvin Gentry. Those are the only two guys, everybody else, you you, you got to figure it out. You get to show up to a basketball gym with the ultimate challenge at the highest level 
in order to figure it out and put something together to where you can add value um, in some way, shape, or form. And so uh, for me, just being around these guys, being fortunate to be a part of a roster with two big-time all-stars, 2.5 because Drew has been an all-star before, um, you know, that's a special, special experience for me. And then with um, AD been in MVP talks before and all that kind of stuff, it's a pretty cool deal to be a part of. And so each and every day, just looking around the league and seeing what's going on and the trends and the different coaching styles, um, you know, from the Eastern Conference, how different it is to the Western Conference, the young players that are coming up through this league, the Ben Simmons, the Lonzo Balls, the Donovan Mitchells of the world. And how would you implement those guys into the framework of what we're trying to do here? How are we going to take advantage with this roster moving forward and going against the league that's going the total opposite direction that we are? I happen to find that to be like the utmost, the coolest thing um, that we're doing the too big thing and everybody else is just like playing five guards. So, um, you know, each and every day is a completely new experience. Every time you turn on the film, you see something different. And then how do you maximize the talent and the potential of the guys that you see on a day-to-day basis? You know, how do you keep Ian Clark in it, even though he's not getting the minutes right now, because I know we're going to need him at some point. How do you keep Drew at the highest level going out, defending and playing while tired, exhausted, going through the season, the dog days of it? And, you know, if you were Alvin, how are you going to manage the Marcus Cousins and Anthony Davis and utilize them to keep them happy as well as, you know, not sabotage the whole framework of what you're trying to do and the system you've built for the last two or three years? And how do you get those defensive numbers up with Irm? There's so many things you could go to, so many projects you put on yourself and come up with yourself that, uh, you know, you can build on and try to throw some things out there, challenge some people mentally, challenge Finch, challenge Irm, even go at Alvin a little bit, and then, you know, ask the front office what they think, get the statistics, see if they match what you have and stuff like that. I know I'm going on a thing, but I get excited about it. Um, so really, really cool deal we got going here. Uh, really happy to be at 500. I think we're going to make a great push here through the second half of the season. Um, but again, like I always do, really appreciate the fans for their support so far. So um, looking forward to the holidays. Um, happy holidays to you guys and to all the fans that are listening out there. Really appreciate you, like I said, um, and look forward to continuing this thing with you all. And, uh, you know, we'll figure this thing out. It's going to be, it's going to be cool to see it unfold and hopefully we can, uh, stay within that top eight so that we can, uh, play into the postseason and give you guys some more playoff experience. Coach, you keep spreading flattery on us like that. People are going to think we're paying you. You got to cut it out. Uh, thank you so much again. You're, you're so gracious with your time as always. Uh, no, no telling how much sleep you got last night or how much you ever get, uh, because we know how hard you're working. Best wishes to you, your family. Merry Christmas, sir. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Always happy to do it. Look forward to being with you guys uh, in the near future. Really appreciate you guys. All right. You got anything else, Ali? I just want you uh, 
Jamel, to tell the fans that you're going to do something good for yourself that's not Pelicans related during these next three <laughs> days off, whether it's going to a nice dinner, going maybe see the new Star Wars movie. Tell me you've got something planned. Uh, I guess I'm going to buy my uh, buy my sister a gift. But that's about it. Like that I, doesn't count. That doesn't count, Coach. How about this, uh, Coach? You're going to be in Orlando, I think, next Friday, and I'm out here in Orlando. Yeah. If you want to score yourself some Disney tickets, uh, slide on into my DMs, and I'll, I'll take care of you. You can meet some Disney princesses or something. That'd be nice. That'd I'm just nice. saying. I'm just saying. All right, that's it for now, Pelicans fans. Thank you for your time and your support. Remember, you guys can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Amazon, Google, and everywhere pods are found. Now, please take some time. Go on iTunes, rate our podcast, and subscribe. Just think of it as like a Christmas gift, right, Ollie? That's right. Great idea. Yeah, right? Ollie, uh, anything to close with? No, I think that this was great. Thank you again, Jamel, for everything, Coach. I hope we get to talk to you a lot more times and. You know, as you mentioned, I, I feel like the team is primed for an upswing, too. So hopefully we can see and we can talk about that. Hey, for sure. Anytime, you guys. Appreciate it. All right. Merry Christmas, everyone. Let's go, pals. Thanks for listening to the Bird Rights on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. Now, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching Bird Rights NBA Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at The Bird Rights for all the best coverage on the Pels. And if you really like the show and you want to show us even more love, give us a rating and review on iTunes by searching The Bird Rights. Your support has gotten us up to 45,000 downloads thus far, a spot on Nothing But Net Radio here on the Dash, and a feature on the front page of Blog Talk Radio. Now, we'll be with you guys all season, keeping you up to date on all the latest news on your favorite team. Let's go, pals! I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets? Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with GEICO. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it, GEICO could save you 15% or more on car insurance. GEICO presents oh, yet another voicemail from your roommate. So, about the kitchen. Turns out, when there's a grease fire, you're not supposed to throw water on it. <laughs> Who would have known, right? Anyways, the fire department is here, and it's totally cool. Give me a call back when you get a chance. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if danger is your roommate's middle name. Visit GEICO.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance.